Amen. Thanks, guys. It's lovely to be back with you. Um, it's always nice to come here on a Sunday morning, especially such a beautiful one. I had a walk over this morning, and uh, it's lovely. Um, Ben's asked me to talk this morning about the Holy Spirit, which is what you've been doing for a few weeks. Is that right? I think I did one a few weeks ago, and then now I'm on again. But um, the thing that we're looking at today is this thing from Romans 8. I'm just going to read a little bit of again. Thanks for reading. Um, am I doing something wrong with this, or am I all right? Okay. Um, this just says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And so this is all about the work of the Holy Spirit to bring us into relationship with the Father and to bring us into understanding and um, a lived experience of the love of the Father for us. I'm going to start with another story <laughs> from the Philippines, which I did two weeks ago. I, I do have other stories, but this is a really special one. So um, it's the story of my friend Honey. Um, and I think I may be at the risk of repeating myself, but I lived with some beautiful people in the Philippines where we started a, a home, a safe house for girls. I was going to say girls and women, but really mostly girls who had been trafficked in that country. And so this is the story of my friend Honey, who came to live with me in my house. And Honey grew up in a quite notorious slum in the city, not far from where we, I ended up living. And her mother had been a prostitute who struggled with mental illness, and her father was and is an addict who, who still has never put his name on her birth certificate. And so it wasn't really surprising when she was groomed by neighbors and trafficked for sex. And even though it wasn't surprising, it was utterly soul-destroying for her. And when she came to live with me just a little bit past her 15th birthday, she was clearly suffering from the effects of a life of trauma. She um, had to go around the house and check all the locks on all the doors before she could go to sleep at night um, and had lots of um, sort of indications that she was suffering with PTSD. And she, more often than not, in those early days, um, I would wake in the night to find that she had crawled out of her bed and she'd laid next to the, my bed on the floor and covered herself with the edge of my duvet. I mean, it was too hot for a duvet, it was just a sheet, to be honest, but she would cover herself. And if she was still awake, I'd just put my hand on her shoulder until she fell asleep, and then that would be it. And in the first few weeks of her stay with us, we asked, you know, how's it going, how are you doing? And she said, well, her favorite things about living here was one that she had three meals a day. That was really quite a revelation for her. And the other one was, she said, I love when we sing together because I feel loved in those times. We would worship together in our home every day. And she said, I can feel the love of Father. And as we worshipped, she would cry. And others would share with her prophetic words for her, the things that the Father was speaking over her. And slowly... Over months and years, we began to see a change in her 
the fear began to melt away and she began to be chatty and confident. Actually, she came, became quite bossy, if I'm honest. And um, she started sleeping in her own bed. And her heart began to heal as she spent time in the Father's presence. And this passage that I've just read in Romans 8 really helps me to explain what I saw happen to Honey. She spent time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and as she did, fear began to lose its hold on her heart. She began to be freed from all the ways in which she had been enslaved, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And she began to know that she was not an orphan, after all, but a beloved child of God. And this is the good news of the gospel as Romans 5, 8 says, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and he reconciled us to God, making us holy, so that we can begin to know in our hearts and our minds that we are not orphans or slaves, but beloved sons adopted by the very best father and given all the rights to his vast inheritance. This is good news for me. It's good news for you. And it's good news for every single person who we come across in a day. So most of us, I hope, have not had as traumatic a life as my friend Honey. But we have all been orphaned or enslaved in some way or another. And the enemy's whole goal in life has been to steal and kill and destroy from us and to take from us the person that we were meant to be and the purpose we were meant to fulfill. We've often been lied to about who we are and what we're meant to be. In the garden, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit lovingly created humans in his image, and we were meant to know nothing other than our secure position as his sons and daughters. But when we chose to leave home, when we chose to leave that garden, we physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually left that connection with our Father and in some ways, the story of human history from that point is the story of our quest to come home again, home to the security and safety of our Father's love. And this is true on a societal level, but it's also true for each of us on an individual level. We're all on a journey of coming home. Um, I don't know if you can think already of the ways in which your heart believes or acts like an orphan. I don't know if that makes sense at all. But there are ways in which each of us don't act as though we are the beloved children of God. Does that make sense? It's in our reactions, it's in our relationships, it's in how we feel about ourselves, it's in the self-talk in our heads, it's in the things that we don't attempt to do because we're like, oh, maybe I can't. All of these ways, we're not connected completely to the love of the Father and we act as orphans. And this verse says, you're no longer an orphan. You've received adoption through the Spirit so that you can cry, Abba, Father. This word, Abba, which you probably heard before, is... I was going to say Aramaic, maybe Hebrew, don't know. But it's this word for daddy, such an intimate word for daddy. And it's what all of us 
need at a deep level to affirm our identity. So the Spirit's allowing us to come out of these places in which we're orphaned and connect to Daddy, who just wraps his arms around us and says, it's okay, you're all right. Come on, let's try again. Um, just want to look at that Romans 8.15 again, because it's only the work of the Holy Spirit that can help us transition from the places in which we're orphaned to knowing our identity as the sons and daughters of God. It says, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So it's only the spirit who can show us who we are as the children of the Father. I looked up um, the Passion Translation of this same verse, which is a sort of a paraphrase, and it says, the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our inmost being, you are God's beloved child. Isn't that beautiful? The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. Some of us know in our heads, but we don't know here yet. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our inmost being, you are God's beloved child. So we need to be connecting to the Holy Spirit day to day so that we're able to walk in the true understanding of the love that God has for us. How do we connect to the Holy Spirit? This all sounds a little bit, ooh, doesn't it? (laughs) How do we connect to the Holy Spirit in our everyday life? I think we do this quite simply by sitting or walking, I prefer walking, and inviting him and just saying, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and fill me? Waiting for his presence to settle on us. Stillness is not something we do well in our culture. It's something I'm terrible at. But I'm trying to learn some stillness so that I can say, Holy Spirit, come. Let your presence come. Reveal Jesus to me. Jesus, show me the Father. Lead me to the Father. Show me his love for me. My own journey of self-acceptance has been almost entirely based on to coming into an understanding of God's love for me. It continues to be a journey. As I notice things in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm not acting like I'm the loved daughter of God. So... For many years, I didn't like many things about myself, and when people first started to talk to me about the love of God, the only emotion I had in response was a deep anger. And I just couldn't believe in a deep place that he loved me the way that people were were saying he did. I actually, (laughs) I I think I've shared some of this before, but I grew up in quite a, a strict Christian tradition. And I I remember one night actually um, going to the concordance of the Bible and looking up all the verses on anger. And there was, you know, half half a page of verses on anger. And then I looked up the verses on love and there were three pages of them. And that was, you know, starting to shift for me. Oh, my father's not angry with me. He's not demanding that I do better and be more perfect. He's saying, I love you. And as I began to know him better and let the Holy Spirit whisper into my inmost being, I began to know that I was loved and precious and beautiful and worthy of love. But this only came by revelation. It didn't come 
by me achieving well at work. It didn't come by people saying, oh, you look lovely today. It didn't come by anything external. It came as I allowed the Holy Spirit to reveal to me that I was the beloved daughter of God. I'm just going to read a little bit. You know what? No, I'm going to hand this out. This is, this may or may not be useful to you, but I think it's, it's a good one. So thank you. This is just a little chart helping us look at how do we behave if we've still got the heart of an orphan and how do we behave when we have the heart of sonship. I need just need to say a little bit about this word sonship because it's obviously very gender specific, uh, which God is not. Um, but I believe that the reason that these verses use the word son is because the son was, in that culture, the inheritor. So the verse goes on to say, we are heirs with Christ and heirs of the Father, meaning that we are able to receive everything the Father has. So I believe this is why the word son is used, okay? Because it means you are the heir of everything and you have the authority over the whole home. But this is talking about men and women. So what is it like when we have the heart of an orphan? Well, we're independent and self-reliant, but if, we're son, if we have a heart of sonship, we're able to acknowledge need, we're able to ask for help, we're able to depend on others and on God. If we have the heart of an orphan, if the first one there is we see God as master rather than seeing him as a loving father. That was, that's definitely been part of my journey. Look down a little further on our need for approval, which is something we all need. Where do I get that from? Am I striving for approval or acceptance from people? Or am I resting in the fact that I'm totally accepted in God's love? Is this making sense? These are areas in which, you know, they're not, they're not huge things in some ways, but they're very deep and fundamental things in others. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, what was the one I looked at and thought, oh, I'm really needing to work on this. Oh, the source of comfort. Seeking comfort in counterfeit affections, addictions, compulsions, escapism, busyness, none of that here, hyper-religious activity, rather than seeking times of quietness and solitude to rest in the Father's presence and love. Yeah? Are we motivated to live out of a sense of having to earn love, having to grasp after love, having to find it, or are we living in a place where we know we are loved, where we rest in that love, and we're not having to strive in any way? This really only happens as we allow the Holy Spirit to give us revelation of how much we're loved. I'm just going to read a couple of verses about it all. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. He's lavished love on us and adopted us and called us his children and said, You are now the inheritor of everything I own. This is what we are. And Zephaniah 3.17 is this brilliant verse. It says, the Lord your God is among you. He is mighty to save. 
He will rejoice over you with gladness, and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And in both cases, those words for rejoice, the first one, when I looked up the Hebrew, it means like exult or leap or spring. So he's like doing this kind of wild dance over you with how delighted he is over you. Don't know if you've seen someone who hasn't, um, especially a child who hasn't seen maybe grandparent for a little while and they come and they just jump up and down because they're so excited to see you. This is how Father God is over you when he sees you. When we take 10 minutes to come into his presence, he's like, yes. <laughs> and then that second verse uh, word for rejoice, or no, the final one, he will rejoice over you with singing. I like singing. So that's, I think it's often lovely that to, to think of God singing over me. And sometimes I ask him, what, what are you singing? Sometimes I can hear what he's singing over me. It's quite nice. But when I looked up the word singing, it actually means like a shrill sound. <laughs> so I think it's almost like squealing. You know, that whole thing of, you know, when you squeal, I'm not going to do it in the mic now. When you squeal in excitement, this is how he is when he sees us. This is the kind of love that the Father has for us. And I think um, whether we've gotten this through religious experience that tells us we're not trying hard enough and we need to do better, or whether we've got this through trauma in life, whether we've got this, I mean, mostly we get it through family messages, don't we? Mostly we get it through the way we're parented, this sense of who am I and how am I doing? <clears throat> Excuse me. But no matter how the messages in our head have come, <clears throat> God wants to set us free. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us who we really are, what he's really about in us. And he wants, us to, wants to bring us to that place where we're no longer slaves to fear. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. So I'm just going to invite us for a moment to um, wait on the spirit and ask him to come and reveal to us who we are in him. So if you want to put the paper down, I'm just going to invite you to, um, if you can, stand up to do that. And just to open up your hands. If you'd rather not stand, that's fine. But just to open up your hands. That's just a gesture of openness. It doesn't do anything <clears throat> spiritually magical. Just as a gesture of openness. And and as we're doing that with our eyes closed, would you just begin to ask God, would you show me how you see me? Holy Spirit, Spirit of revelation and truth, would you come? Just ask him, could you show me how you see me? And as you ask him, you might get a picture of something. You might get some words. You might hear his squealing over you. You might hear his song over you. Just let him come. Let him come near. <clears throat> 